بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا انك انت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم الهمنا مراشد امورنا واعذنا من شرور انفسنا امين Respected elders and brothers, dear mothers and sisters, students and listeners, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. We ask Almighty Allah Azza wa Jal in this blessed gathering that He makes uh, the decision for us to re- to become and remain students of uh, students of Quran for the rest of our lives. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that He allows the secrets of the Quran to open up onto our minds and hearts, the nur of the Quran to uh, Penetrate through the through the layers of darkness that exist um, over there. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to inspire us to say that which every one of us needs to hear, and and that He allows the the tafsir to be a, a means of answering all of the issues and, and problems that any one of us may be going through in our life. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala allow the Quran to continually allow us to understand that the Quran is definitely a solution to. Issues related to our finances, issues related to our relationships, issues related to the uh, national level issues, international level issues, domestic issues, whatever issues they are, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to find the solution to that in the Qur'an. Ameen. Uh, last week we ended uh, on the description and the details of salawat ala nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the virtues of it, the verse regarding uh, that, that Allah azza wa jal Uh, revealed in Allah malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabiyya ayu alladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima that was the ayah that um, that we spoke about in detail and although we translated the next two verses but we didn't get a chance to really talk too much about it so we'll briefly go over that and then move on to the, the ruku'ah inshallah so this ayah um, 58 or 57 Allah azawal says inna alladhina udhuna Allah rasulahu la'anahum Allah fi dunya wal akhirah wa'adda lahum athaban muhina Indeed, uh, those who malign Allah and His Messenger, Allah shall curse them in this world and the hereafter, and He has prepared for them a disgracing, disgracing torment over there. And and moreover, those who malign the believing men and by the believing women, by charging them with wrongdoing that they have not earned, shall truly bear the burden of committing both a grave calumny and a clear sin. So, This ayah here, after speaking about the, after speaking after speaking about the uh, revela- uh, the benefits of sending salutations upon the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, now the opposite is being mentioned, that um, if you try to harm and malign Allah and His Messenger, then you then this individual will be cursed in this world and cursed in the hereafter. Um, and this, from here, we understand. Uh, the uh, the status of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It's as though Allah azza wa is saying, "O oh my servants, that whoever harms and hurts the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and maligns the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it's as though he has maligned me." Now think about it. It's not possible to malign Allah azza wa It's not possible to hurt Allah azza wa But what we do understand is, whoever were to mess with Allah, imagine what would happen to him. Imagine how we would be destroyed. So similarly, anyone who is Really attacking the honor of Rasulullah sallam is just a matter of time before he's going to be destroyed, in this world or the hereafter. It's as foolish as someone who says, "I'm going to pick a fight with Allah." Right? Who says that? Someone who doesn't know Allah is. 
Someone who doesn't know the, the power of Allah Azza wa Jal, he's the only fool who would say something like that. So similarly, trying to uh, attack the honor of Rasulullah and not defend his sunnah is as, as big of a fool would do something like that. The Quran is obviously not restricted to any time or era, it's for all eras. So this ayah is also very relevant today. That there are people who uh, unfortunately, unfortunately due to their wretchedness, uh, speak ill of Allah and His Rasul. They, 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 uh, they attack the honor of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this, uh, this is a declaration of war against such people from who? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does la'na mean? La'na means al-bu'd an rahmatillah. Al-bu'd an rahmatillah. To be far away from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So uh, when a person... When a person does these type of actions, like cursing Allah and His Rasul, speaking ill of Allah and His Rasul, what do we understand from that? We understand that this person, he's truly, you know, has an X over his head by Allah. Right? He, this person is really far away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and unless, unless tawbah is written for him, which we don't know, maybe it is. But if a person dies in that state, it's very definitely extremely worrisome that he died speaking ill of Allah and His Rasul. We've seen recently in the past few years a European filmmaker who made a whole film making fun of and blasphemy and attacking Rasulullah Allah SWT blessed him with Iman he went for Umrah and he went for Hajj maybe also but I know he went for Umrah and you know he, he, he had his whole video from there after having <laughs> made a whole video subhanAllah against Rasulullah SAW became very popular for that so uh, you know he died in the hands of Allah if it was in, uh, in someone else's hand, they may have said, no, we don't want this person to get hidayah. Because he's done so much harm. But who's going to say anything to Allah? If Allah Azza wa wants to give hidayah to Akrama bin Abi Jahl, if Allah Azza wa wants to give hidayah to, uh, you know, uh, any of the companions who, uh, Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, or um, uh, Wahshi, the one who killed Hamza radiallahu anhu, then no one can say anything. So Allah Azza wa Jal gave, you know, even now you see certain individuals who have attacked Rasulullah sallallahu uh, Allah Azza wa Jal did give them hidayah after some time. And uh, Allah knows His wisdom and his, the hikmah behind that. So now here, what we understand here is that the one who, who uh, is, 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 is attacking Allah and His Rasul, for them, they're cursed in this world and hereafter, and for them Allah has already prepared a muhinan. What's adab a muhina? A torment that's not just painful, but a torment that is going to be Beyond the physical pain is going to be uh, emotionally very painful for these people. Alright? It's going to disgrace them. Ihana means to disgrace. The adab of Allah, the, the way they try to disgrace Rasulullah and they couldn't really do anything. By now, how are you harming Rasulullah by disgracing him? You're not. But what Quran is saying, Allah has prepared for them such a torment that will be disgracing to them and they will actually feel it. They will actually feel it. A person, they will be taunted. They will be given, they will be thinking that they're gonna get out now. Or they're gonna be able to find water over there. Or there's gonna be light at the end of the tunnel over there. And they will fall for this. Each time thinking that I'm gonna get out of this mess. Or my punishment will end. Or there will be some type of change in affairs. But they won't be. They will be calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, they will be calling out to the angels to stop. And the angels are also deaf, made deaf for them, not to listen. You cannot even hear the screaming and the wailing of these Jahannamis. And after a thousand years, the angels look at them and say, what do you want? 
After a thousand years, look at that little child. If you give him, you know, one minute you don't give his attention, he's screaming. If you also begging for someone, you're knocking, knocking, calling, how frustrating it gets after 45 seconds, after one minute. Imagine a thousand years of begging and screaming and crying. Help, help, help. Then after, we don't even, I'm just saying a thousand years. Just think what a thousand years means. Right? What a thousand years means. Right? Fifteen generations. And then they'll look at him and say, what's wrong? What do you want? Can you please... Can you please ask Allah Azza wa Jal to lighten our load, to lighten the punishment, take us out, different, whatever they'll be asking. One of the verses the Quran says, they'll ask, يُخَفِّفْ عَنَّا يَوْمًا مِنَ الْعَذَابِ Can we please have one day off? One day off from punishment, just one day. One day less punishment. SubhanAllah. قَالُوا أَوَلَمْ تَكُوا تَأْتِيكُمْ رُسُلُكُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ The angels will say, did our, Allah will say, did our angels and our prophets rather, did they not come to you with clear proofs? قَالُوا بَلَا They'll say, yes they did, sorry. They did come. فَمَا دُعَاءُ الْكَافِرِينَ إِلَّا فِي ضَلَالِ This is from Surah Al-Mu'min. Allah says, carry on screaming and crying. You're crying, no one is going to hear now. But they won't stop. They'll keep on going. They will ask, وَنَادَوْ يَا مَالِكُ لِيَقْضِ عَلَيْنَا رَبُّكُ They'll eventually call you know, the king, the, the, the angel that's in charge of Jahannam, Malik. Can you please ask Allah to give us death? There's nothing more beloved to us than what? Than death. That will bring the end to suffering. Ask Allah Azza wa Jal to just, just allow us to die peacefully. As they say, The response will be, absolutely not. You must stay alive for eternity here. They will continue to cry, continue to wail and scream. And then the answer has been mentioned in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Quiet. Right? Ikhsa is a word that used not to say to someone elder, some child of yours. No, ikhsa is the word literally is used in Arabic for who? For dogs. It's a word used for dogs. How you say shh to a street stray dog. Right? The way you make a stray dog shut up and quiet from his barking is the word that is going to be used by now Allah and His angels to tell these Jahannamis to stop crying. Don't speak to me. And now, their mouths will be sealed. Now, there is, there is some level of venting, the ability to vent your frustration, your sorrow, your cries. They allow you to handle your sorrow. But if you cannot even now speak up, you can't even vent what's inside your heart. Imagine how much of a higher level of punishment this is. The disgrace that's there, the physical torment, the emotional torment, and now we can't even say anything about it. Don't speak to me. Indeed, there was a group of my servants, they used to say, Rabbana amanna, O our Lord, we have believed in you. Forgive us, warhamna, and have mercy upon us. And you are indeed the best of those who show mercy. There was a group of my powerful, beautiful, good servants, who were there in the dunya. What did you all do with them? You made fun of them. Allah is telling them, you made fun of such people. You made a mockery of such people, of such true Muslims, who were just wanting to worship me, and had a love for you, so I asked you to also worship me with them. But you may started making fun of them. Until the, your preoccupation with making fun of them, and running after them, and abusing them, made you forget me. Instead of focusing on your relationship with me, you are just going chasing after the Muslims, chasing after the practicing Muslims, attacking their honor, making fun of them, figuring out how you can make their life more worse. 
until you forgot to turn to me. And you used to laugh at them. You used to laugh at them. Indeed, I have rewarded those Muslims because of their patience that they showed in front of this type of abuse that you all did to them. Because of the patience they had, I have chosen to reward them with faizun, with success. That they are going to be the ultimate successful ones today due to the patience that they had. My dear friends, these are verses of the Qur'an that I'm sharing with you from all over that are worthy of pondering. When you see the amount of suffering, the innocent children and men and women who have died mercilessly in the past decades overseas for absolutely no reason. Little kids dying in cars, women dying in, in weddings, little boys dying in the Hifth graduations. Endless, endless suffering that has happened throughout the history of mankind, most definitely. And now, within our short life, we have seen so much of it. And, and a person at times really starts, you know, it, it wears you down. And you start becoming numb, or you start thinking, why? Why is this all this happening to Muslims? Then you read these verses of the Qur'an. And it tells you, it gives you this hope that all of this is happening really for a reason. Trust me, those people who die these miserable deaths, who've been tortured in these, these dungeons and these hell holes, and who've been left to rot in many places of the world, by Allah, when they will see the reward Allah has prepared for them, they will wish that they could have had 10 times of that which they suffered in this dunya. Subhanallah. I'm saying to you a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ said that though people of Afia, the people who had an enjoyable, comfortable life in this world, when they will see on the day of judgment, what the people who suffered in this dunya, what reward Allah had prepared for them, they will wish that, Ya Allah, we wish in the dunya, we would be put through such trials and tribulations and punishment that our skins were to be cut with scissors. We wish our skins would be cut with scissors so that we could enjoy this amazing, endless reward that these people who rotted in jails, who were, who were killed by you know, all sorts of other poisonous chemicals and drone attacks and suicide bombs and whatever the case may be, who, who didn't even have 50% of their body available during janazah time. It was spewed all over. Those people, the reward that a person will be getting for the sabr and patience that they showed in this dunya, then the rest of us, alhamdulillah, who have very comfortable lives compared to what they're going through, what will we wish? We wish that we were sent back into the dunya, or at least we would have a chance to have our skin torn apart with knives and, and, and scissors. What is the purpose of this hadith? The purpose is not for you to make now dua after Isha, Ya Allah, get myself in a big problem so I get my you know, skin cut up like that. No. That's not the maqsad of this hadith. That's not the purpose. This hadith is for us to share with those who are going through difficulty. Those who are going through financial, emotional, spiritual, mental difficulty of any sort. Tell them this, that what you're going through is from Allah. You remain patient. Remain, remain constant with your ibadah and sabr. And on the day of judgment, you would wish that you had 10 times of that what you had right now. And for us who are not being tested like that, what should we be doing? Shukr. My dear friends, there's no such thing that none of us are going through problems. Every one of us is going through a different style. Different thing. It might not be a, a drone attack or a suicide bomb. Right? But it's definitely something. All of us are going through some sort of tension, stress, worry, concern that's messing with us. And you wonder, Ya Allah, how long, how long is this going to be with me? Keep on asking, keep on asking, keep on asking, Ya Allah, to remove it. But if it's not meant to be removed, then remember, just remember these words. That if you, once you get over there, you will wish you could have gone through. And I give this common example because I travel a lot. And you know, when you travel, you have all sorts of 
you know, difficulties that come about, whatnot, and delays, and, 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 and things of that sort. And imagine, subhanAllah, you know, you got, your flight got delayed by two hours. And, and the airplane, airline says, we're so sorry you got delayed by two hours. We would like to give you, you know, an upgrade from economy class to business class, as well as, you know, a voucher for a thousand dollars in your next flight. What are you going to say? Will you not tell me? Will you not wish that every flight of yours gets delayed two hours? Will you not wish that instead of two, I could have gotten four? Four hours? If this is what it means, that I get a thousand dollar voucher for every single time I get delayed, right? What is this? MashaAllah, like this once it happened to me as well. <laughs> I think I did share this in the tafsir too. It's amazing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does things. You know, and, uh, it's just amazing how Allah, so some money was spent for someone's umrah. And literally the entire amount was returned because of a one hour delay. The airline said, oh, we feel bad. You, got, you missed your international connection. Here's a seven, eight hundred dollar voucher. Or, no, not voucher. They said, we'll just give your credit card. We'll put it back right to you. The exact amount that was spent on someone else's ticket. All of it 100% returned. What do you do for it? Nothing. The flight delayed by one hour, the company gave it. The airline gave it back. So Allah Azawajal has His ways. When you see something like that, you wish what? You wish every flight will get delayed by an hour. So similarly, because why? You're looking at, when you're going through that one hour of, or two hours of waiting, you think, man, this is, what am I supposed to do? You run around, waste, you say, how long is it going to take? But then when you see what you're getting, eight, who makes $1,000 in two hours? You know, who may, who's able to get an upgrade like that for free? This is totally worth it. There you go. So when you see an akhirah, you see the rewards that are there, you're like, subhanAllah, for that punishment, I got this? Man, I'll go back and do 10 times of that. If I can get 10 times of this, what I have right now. Insan, you know, fitrat of insan is always like that, right? <laughs> Even if you get that jannat al-a'la, person say, man, he's got, I got jannah, but he's got jannat for those, man, I want that. If, oh, how do you get that? Because through suffering, Allah wish I go back in the world and get suffering. So this is something that will give us, yani, uh, solace and comfort. These are the verses of the Quran that we should think about. Uh, so, adab muhina Allah has prepared for those who make fun of Allah and His Rasul, who try to attack Allah and His Rasul. My dear friends, our job is to pre preserve and protect the honor of Allah and His Rasul. Our job is to stand up, and our job is try our best to explain. But at the same time, if you are not able to do your job, or no one listens to you, or you don't have the ability to speak up. In, in your heart make dua, but don't think it's a lost cause. Don't think that the perpetrators will be able to run free. They will never. Allah says in the Quran, إِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَبِالْمِرْصَادِ إِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَبِالْمِرْصَادِ Where is this? What surah is this? Fajr. إِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَبِالْمِرْصَادِ Indeed, your Lord is waiting in ambush. Your, way, your Lord is waiting in ambush. How the police wait under the bridges and over around turns where you can't even see them until it's too late. And there's a, a, a hill, downhill, you're speeding, right? Or you're just accelerating, not speeding, <laughs> right? So then you get caught at 30, 40 miles more than the speed limit. Like you, and even though you weren't doing that because it was just around the bend, it was just a nice easy place or it was just downhill. And that's exactly where they're waiting. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, I'm waiting in ambush. Don't think you're going to escape me. No one can punish the way Allah does. And no one can tie up the ropes the way Allah ties up the ropes. What powerful words of Allah. Who besides Allah can say something like this? So it's, the answers are all in the Qur'an. The answers are all there. Anytime, whatever emotional feeling you're going through, read the Qur'an. Wallahi. I remember recent years, certain things happened in the country. And, and people were very down, very depressed. And I, had an, and I was just reflecting on my own self that I also went through a lot of emotional turmoil. And I said, you know what? The only thing that actually helps me get through is picking up a mushaf and reading. Reading a newspaper, reading a news website, reading some other commentary does not help. It really doesn't make you feel any better. 
What makes you feel better, most definitely, is picking up the Mus'haf and reading. And if you can go to the next level and reflect on the te- meanings of the Qur'an, and read through the translation of the Qur'an, by Allah you will feel, you will feel happiness. You will feel contentment because you will realize everything that's happening. From the moving of this fan, to who becomes president, who becomes prime minister, every single thing is in the hands of Allah. And that Allah Azza wa Jal, He chooses whatever He wants. لا يسألوا عما يفعل He cannot be asked what He does. You simply have to be pleased with whatever He does, do what you're supposed to do and move on with life. So when reading the Qur'an, connecting with the Qur'an, in our most lowest moments, my beloved friends, will give you comfort. Because the Qur'an has got, it's a full pharmacy. It's got everything. Whatever type of problem you need, the solution is there. If this verse doesn't hit you, that will verse will hit you. If this ayah doesn't get you, that ayah will get you. If this surah doesn't get you, then that will. That's for if you're focusing on the meanings, if you're focusing on the tafsir of it. But general tilawa of any portion of the Qur'an will remove dhulma from our heart, will remove darkness from the heart. And what is this depression, this sadness, this worry, this concern, this, this uh, over, feeling of overwhelmingness, these are all shaitani emotions. Shaitan, innama shaitan yukhawifu awliya'ah. Allah Azza wa says, shaitan uses his cronies and his friends to instill fear in you. So fear, unnecessary fear, unfounded fear comes from where? Shaitan. Shaitan wants to see you sad. Shaitan wants to see you worried. Shaitan wants to see you angry. Comes in hadith. That shaitan is the one who makes you angry. So if you feel anger, say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajeem. So these emotions that become a barrier between us and our spouse, between us and our children, between us and our parents, and of course between us and Allah. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. I'm down. I'm hollow. I'm depressed. I'm worried. This and that. All of these emotional turmoil that you and I go through on a regular basis. This is due to the weakness of the spirituality in the soul. And shaitan manipulating our thoughts. So how do we push back? Through tilaw of the Qur'an and dhikr of Allah Azza wa Jalla. Through the tilaw of the Qur'an and the dhikr of Allah. Just sit down, pick up a tasbih, and read la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah a hundred times. Sit down and read subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah akbar a hundred times. You will feel like someone has lifted up a huge boulder off of your chest. We know what you're talking about if you've tried and tested it. And if you haven't, do so now. Do so now. Whatever type, my dear sisters, you know how many women are worried about a million problems and they don't have anyone to turn to. There are many men and women in this country who don't have relatives here, who don't have anyone to turn to for help, or mom and dad are overseas, or mom and dad have passed away. Now they have problems in their relationships with their husband and their wife. Every other person is crying about this. Who should I call? Who should I call? Who should I share? Who should I make mashwara with? I am so overwhelmed. I can't take this anymore. Well, you have, when was the last time you tried Allah? When was the last time you called Allah? Right. These problems, your mom and dad also can't help you. Even if they were alive, they can't help you. Even if they're next to you and next door, they can't help you. Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who's going to help you and assist you through them. So now if they're not present, go to the original source. Allah does not need your mom and dad to help you. Allah is the one who's assistant. Ni'mal Mawla wa Ni'mal Nasir. He is the best of helpers. He's the best of caretakers. That love that your mom and dad have for you came from where? It came from Allah. You say, oh, my mother was alive, she used to do this to me. My, mom, my father was alive, she used to do this. SubhanAllah. May Allah keep our moms and dads who are alive, you know, allow us to serve them, honor them, love them, and appreciate them, and cherish them for every second that we have them. And those of us who've lost our parents, that doesn't mean that you've lost Allah. Ajeeb. That doesn't mean you've lost Allah. Nabi salam achieved the greatest things of this world. He was born as a yatim, And at the age of six, he lost his mother. So what? Did that pull him back? Right? Losing his mom and dad. Did that, did that not allow him to achieve? Yes, it allow, he still achieved the greatest thing any man has ever, or any angel, or anyone can achieve. 
So parents are there from Allah. And when they leave, they're from Allah. Solution lies with Allah. That is the yaqeen that you and I have to have. So my dear married brothers and sisters, unmarried brothers and sisters, and whoever is going through any type of difficulty in your life, instead of losing your mind and becoming stressed out, for in, in, and then not even being able to help yourself. Your example of the one who gets stressed out is the one who puts, it on, puts his car in, and gets stuck in the snow, and he's just revving the engine. What's gonna happen? Now, besides paying the tow truck fees, you have to change four tires too, or at least two tires. It's not gonna help. You're getting frustrated. You're revving the engine, and your tires are spinning. And your tires are burning. And you're ruining other parts of the car. That is exactly the example of someone who gets frustrated, angry, shouting, screaming, crying. But he chooses not to. Turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So our sisters should use this. Any type of difficulty you're going through in your life, instead of doing jaza, faza, and screaming, and crying, and this and that, you cry in front of Allah azza wa jalla. No one's gonna stop you. Find a quiet corner in your home, pray, do fresh wudu, sit on the musalla and cry. Cry as much as you need to. Because that's, that's the crying that will count. And that's a crying that will actually get your problem solved. And that every single tear that flows down your cheeks is gonna be weighed. And you're gonna get thousands and thousands of hasanat for each tear that goes down your cheeks. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching, Allah is listening, Allah is weighing everything. So, uh, the answer is there. It's really in the musalla. So I, I, this is... Something I, ho I hope and I pray Allah makes it easy for you and I to take full benefit of is a turn to Allah in your dif most difficult times and jo maslahib, whatever you have, just present it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Roaming around, look, hastain, look, karo. You tell them by read some adhkar, by you tell us something else. Okay, all right, fine. Let's go see how long, let's see, let's see you, let's use you try, you leave Allah and see how long you, how quick your problem is going to get solved. Yaqeen is not there. Yaqeen is not there that the solution to my problem lies in Allah. How can we ever expect to solve international issues when you can't take care of one teeny tiny little issue in your marriage through Allah Azza wa Jal? Your marriage, your, your, your children's marriage, your parents' uh, issues, your health. If we can't take care of that through dua, how are we as a Muslim ummah going to take care of international issues? We can't. Because the trust is not even there, man. The trust and the yaqeen that Allah is listening, watching, and this is the door we knock on. That's the door we knock on. You know, you have men's entrance and women's entrance. You have a, a server's entrance. You have an employee-only entrance. You have a, you know, backdoor entrance. By enter from the door you're supposed to enter from. Don't go from other doors, you're gonna find it locked. Even if we have a key pass system, right? The students here who have key cards. There are some doors that are gonna open and some doors are not gonna open. Is that right? Is that how it does or it doesn't work like that? Okay, so you have a key pass. You go and keep on putting on the wrong door. That's not meant for you to open. Oh, I need to get in from here. No, you don't go in from there. You take, the, you take your key pass and put it on the window here. I need the window to open for me. It's not gonna work. Allah Azza wa Jal has kept a door for us, and that's His door. His door. For the believer, we, our door is Allah's door. Meaning, the dua door, the salah door. When you and I knock on that door, it's gonna open up wider than any door we've seen. Allah open up the doors of your mercy. But we try other doors from here and there, we're gonna keep on getting rejected. For a non-Muslim, there's all the doors and any that he finds open maybe for him, because the main door is what? Closed. Huh? With kufr, he's not gonna find the door open. But for a believer, he may find all the doors closed, but wallahi al never will he find the door of Allah closed. You have the key pass. I have the key pass. We need to start using it in the right place. We're using this key pass in every other door besides the actual door we're supposed to use it in. And that's the door of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah Azza wa says, those who harm the believing men and women, for some, and, and attack them, and malign them, 
by charging them with wrongdoing that they never did, shall truly bear the burden of committing. Buhtanan, a huge accusation. You know, kalmani. And, ithman mubina, a clear sin. Clear sin. My beloved friends, this is a big problem. Very big issue. Very big issue. Sunni, Sunni baat. We heard this. Qila. People said this, people say that. And we are sharing. And people's honor is going down the drain. You and I have to be very careful. If we say something about someone without actual proof of it, even if everyone says that this is what they're saying, never, never believe in it. Okay, you say, but subkaren. My dear friends, we were told that there was weapons of mass destruction. And a huge 20-year war took place. Hundreds of millions, not millions, billions and billions were spent. And more importantly, more importantly, hundreds and thousands and millions of lives were lost. Literally on a complete, complete, complete fabricated lie, which there's no one can deny this. No one can deny this. No administration, no politician can say, no, actually, no, we did find weapons of assertion. This, this is something, alhamdulillah, that's very clear. But my point is, just because you hear something from the very top, and every single news media repeats something, and everyone around you is talking that, and then huge decisions are made, armies are mobilized, people are put on the front line, and people's lives are put on the line and they die. Over a lie, could that be possible? Well, here you go, yes it can. It can be very well possible. So let's not say, oh but everyone is saying this, it's gotta be true. I heard it from three people, I heard it from four people. Right? How could it be possible? Don't believe what you hear. If, you, if, it's, if, if, it's, if it's something related to you that you need to make a decision about, go to the source. Go to the source. That's how I like to deal with things. You come to me about someone, I say, okay, if it's related with me, I'm getting on the phone right now before you finish talking. Let's sort it out. Right now. And if it's not related to me, then please go. I don't need to hear this. This is something not related to me, then why are you bringing it? And if it's you want to bring it, then why are you coming talking to me? Because I'm not that person. Look at you got my name wrong. I'm not the person who you're saying. If you want to talk about that person, go to that person. So this is an ajeeb problem that we have in our community. The people go to everyone besides the person. No, no, no. They'll tell 10 people. But did you speak to him? No, I don't have the guts to speak to him. How did you have the guts to speak to 9 other people? How did you have the time to speak to 9 other people? But the person that this issue is related with and you're upset at or hurt, you're not going talking to him. The person who you're upset with, you're angry with. Maybe you have a right to be angry with. Why don't you go speak to them? How are they supposed to know? You tell the whole community, all your relatives that XYZ happened, and that person has no idea what's going on. And then on top of that, we add mirch masala, spices, all sorts of different things. And by the time it gets out the door, it's become a huge mountain out of nothing. Complete out of nothing. I'm seeing too many of these things. Especially, my dear friends, divorce. Divorce is happening on issue, non-existent issue, no issue. And, and you sit there and you say, this can't be real. Serious. What is the issue? Nothing. Do you know what the issue is? I'm not sure, but you know, we're just moving to separate. Okay, why is this rishta breaking apart? You guys were about to get married, engaged. What happened? What's the reason it fell apart? Nothing. Nothing. There's like really, they can't even pinpoint and say why. It's just like, I don't know. Something happened, I'm not sure. But we just hear it's not good. Oh, what did you hear? Stuff. But what is the stuff? If it's a stuff, why don't we sit down and say, you know, let's, let's discuss it. Let's talk about the stuff. This is what people say. So we cannot, if it's a good 
if it's a good boy or a good girl, or a good wife or a good husband, let's not make decisions based on hearsay. Right? Because it's weird, but there's shayateen, humans and shayateen from the jinn, who are working nonstop to make, break relationships, make people hate each other, not just in marriage, generally speaking, business partners, right? And, uh, and everyone else. Just make people hate each other, fight each other, siblings against one another, huh? in-laws against one another, married couples against one another, and so forth. So we have to make sure that we do not make decisions based on what people say. Allah Azza wa Jal says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, O believers, In jaakum fasiqum binaba'in fatabayyanu an tusibu qawman bijahala fatusbihu ala ma fa'altum nadimeen. O believers, if a fasiq, if a, a sinful, if a sinful person, obviously if a fasiq who is a believer, Allah is saying, then most definitely a disbeliever is included in this for sure. Okay? If Allah is saying a fasiq, who may be a believer, if he comes to you with news, then do not make any moves on that news until you do proper research and proper, you know, you look into it. So if definitely if a disbeliever comes to you with some news, for sure you need to make some tahqiq, research, look into it. Otherwise, you may end up becoming remorseful over what you do. If you make a decision, a big decision, I'm out, I fire you, I divorce you, I'm running away, I get this, I got on what? Sunni Sunaybat. Something that people said so. You make a decision based on that, most definitely, most definitely you will feel remorseful. Quran is saying, you'll feel remorseful. Not today, because you're in a fit of anger right now. You're not thinking. You're super upset. You don't want to listen. You just said, oh, he said that, but that's it. How could he be lying? He could he could now it doesn't have to be he could be lying, could be he misunderstood. He misheard, he misspoke. Maybe you misunderstood. All of these things happen. So that's why let's not be hasty in making decisions. Let us ensure that we, do, we, we figure out something. One, one person, subhanAllah, ajeeb stuff, how the world works. One person got accused of a very horrible fuhsh crime, very sinful, disgusting crime. And they, they arrested him, he became extremely uh, infamous in the entire community, his mugshot was everywhere, and uh, he was a very influential and respectable person in, society, in that community. And he got caught up for something like, oh, I can't believe it. Anyone if you were to Google his name, you'd say, oh my God, I can't believe this type of person was amongst us. I just prayed next to him yesterday, like, you know, what's going on? So later on, after a few, after some time, he was able to exonerate himself, 100% clean. It was just a, it was a setup. And the court and everyone also acknowledged the fact that he has nothing to do with this. Completely clean. So now he's reflecting on how this happened. Completely innocent guy, who was respectable, and within one day lost his entire, entire respect and credibility he, he, had, he had for so many years, and became Asfal al-Safirin in the eyes of the people, the lowest of the law. The talk of the town. And then now he gained it back, but who knows that, right? Who knows he's exonerated? Unfortunately, that doesn't make it to the WhatsApp uh, forwards. It doesn't. Whatever's good doesn't make it. Whatever's evil makes it. The fastest news. Fastest news. You just put some evil news. Maybe if you want to get the tafsir more populated amongst people, just put some, you know, some scandal on top and then send it. And then, 
This is about the scandal. Every tafsir, maybe you should name it. Today we're going to discuss this scandal. Then talk about it. Allah protects us from this scandal and then move on. Huh? But that's how it is. People love scandals. People spread it. You all know what I'm talking about. That's when they're going to click. Clickbait. Scandals attract attention. Tafsir doesn't. That's what they want. Shaitan wants you to do that. So he was reflecting on how he lost his honor and everything within one day. And he said, my own introspection, mashallah, Allah guided him to introspect. He said, I'm thinking, I, why, Allah, why this happened? Because Allah ke hukum se toh nahi Without Allah's hukum, this didn't happen. He said there was a, uh, a husband and wife and, you know, uh, dispute. And they both came and he said, I was involved in trying to arbitrate and whatnot. And I heard one side of the story. And without, fully, without hearing the other side of the story, I got very emotionally involved. Emotionally involved. And I started defending one side and attacking the other side. Because of course when they come to you, they're going to attack. They're going to be fighting vicious mode. So now if you listen to one side, all the ghussa and anger comes into you. And now you become their advocate. Even though you're not supposed to be an advocate, you are supposed to be a third party arbitrator. Not an advocate here, right? Even for an advocate, you need to understand what's happening on the other side. But unfortunately, he said, I made a mistake. And I got emotionally involved and I started supporting the other, uh, this side that came to me without even listening to the other side of the story. And he said, I think that mistake was something that Allah disliked that He put me through this. So this is the tawfiq from Allah that a person also is inspired to introspect and to see where I went wrong. So spreading the type of, spreading the type of rumors is something that we're going to speak about again today uh, in, in the next few ayats. But here the Qur'an is saying that do not, do not dare try to harm the believing men and women and accuse them of things that they didn't do. Otherwise, you're going to um, suffer major consequences. So my dear brothers and sisters, we have to have a group of all of us need to take this stance. That we will try the best to what? defend the honor of our Muslim brother. Even though you don't know what's happening, you may just simply say, I don't know what's happening and I don't want to get involved in this. If you have something to do, go to the bottom of it yourself. And what an amazing hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I want to share this hadith with you. He said, مَا مِنْ إِمْرِئٍ مُسْلِمٍ مَا مِنْ إِمْرِئٍ مُسْلِمٍ يَرُدُّ عَنْ عَرْضِ أَخِيهِ عَنْ عِرْضِ أَخِيهِ إِلَّا كَانَ حَقًّا عَلَى اللَّهِ أَنْ يَرُدَّ عَنْهُ نَارَ جَهَنَّمِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ he said, there is not a single believing Muslim who defends the honor of his brother and pushes back against the accusations against the honor of his brother. Muslim brother, Muslim sister. Any Muslim individual who pushes back against the attacks to, uh, that are targeting his Muslim brother or sister. Except Allah takes it upon Himself as a duty. Allah takes it upon Himself as a duty to push away the fire of hell on the Day of Judgment from him. For this action, the way you're pushing people's evil comments away from your brother, similarly, Allah Azza wa Jalla, if Allah pushes the fire of hell, who's gonna bring it back? Huh? If Allah pushes the fire of hell, no one can bring it back. So this is something, my beloved friends, that we need to work on. Anytime you hear anyone's character assassination taking place, stand up for it. You don't have to know who that is. You don't have to know have anything to do with that. Just say this is something, Unacceptable, I cannot listen. Why Nabi has said, listening to the riba is 
أحد المختابين. If you listen to backbiting, you are one of the backbiters. If you listen to backbiting, you are one of the backbiters. So by us listening and entertaining false accusations against someone, we are facilitators of that. If we stop and say, I'm not going to listen to it, then that person won't be able to speak about it as well. Next verse, Allah Azza wa Jal says, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ قُلْ لِأَزْوَاجِكَ وَبَنَاتِكَ وَنِسَاءِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ يُدْنِينَ عَلَيْهِنَّ مِنْ جَلَابِيبِهِنْ ذَلِكَ أَدْنَا أَنْ يُعْرَفْنَ فَلَا يُؤْذَيْنَ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا O Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ O Rasulullah, O the Prophet, قُلْ لِأَزْوَاجِكَ Say to your wives, وَبَنَاتِكَ Say to your daughters, وَنِسَاءِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And to the women folk of the believers, what should you say them? يُدْنِينَ عَلَيْهِنَّ مِنْ جَلَابِيبِهِنْ That they should draw part of their mantles over themselves in public. Draw, يُدْنِينَ عَلَيْهِنَّ مِنْ جَلَابِيبِهِنْ Draw part of their mantles over themselves in public. ذَلِكَ أَذْنَا أَنْ يُعْرَفْنَا This makes it more likely that they will be recognized as virtuous women. Very important point. This makes it more likely that they will be recognized as virtuous women when they cover themselves up. فَلَا and that they will not be harassed. Then they won't be harassed. And that they will not be harassed. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا And Allah is ever forgiving, mercy giving. So this ayah is about hijab. Hijab was revealed over three uh, various stages. The first stage, Allah Azza wa Jal simply ordered the believing men and believing women بِسَطْرِ الْعَوْرَاتِ to cover up their private areas, to cover up the basic area that must be covered up for salah to be valid. Then the second stage, Allah Azza wa Jal ordered the believing women to to adorn uh, to uh, to uh, to adhere to hijab. Okay, so the first one was for the believing men to cover up themselves, men and and women too, of course, to cover up their basic satar. Second one was for the women to now observe hijab in front of strangers, non-related males, etc. And then this third stage is uh, in Surah An-Nur, where Allah Azza wa Jal explained the complete hijab, complete hijab in Surah An-Nur. And that uh, you have to cover up not only the private parts and whatnot, but then the women have to cover up fully with their hijab. And then men and women both need to lower their gaze. And, and women should be careful about ex- exposing their uh, uh, their zina, their, their adornments, except for in front of those men who are related to them, their husbands, their sons, and so forth, that's been listed in detail in Surah An-Nur. So this ayah here, it's as though it's come in between these two stages. So Nabi salam had two responsibilities. One responsibility of tabligh, of inviting towards Allah, of propagating the true deen. And the second, the second uh, responsibility was being a role model. So he had to be a role model and he had to also invite people towards the deen. And so for a person, if you really want to be successful in your tabligh and in your da'wah and in you being a source of guidance for people, obviously you and I have to ensure that we are ourselves examples. Right? If we are not examples, then our words may, not, may fall on deaf ears. So Allah is telling Nabi Wasallam's wives and daughters that you are the first ones who have to be observant of hijab. And then if someone thinks that, oh, is this only for Rasulullah's wife and daughters? Then Allah added, وَنِسَاءِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And the general population of Muslim women, they also fall into this category, that they also have to observe hijab. 
So now, if Allah did not mention women, believing women, it would already be included because the wives of the Prophet and the daughters of the Prophet are the best of the best. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that they need to observe hijab, in that time, which is the best time, the best time which is the time of the Sahaba, then most definitely even if Allah would not have mentioned it, it would be understood that the believing women who come in later days would definitely have to observe hijab as well. And if those men were told, in like we covered two weeks ago, that when you ask the wives of the Prophet ﷺ something, then ask them from behind the veil. So if they were asked to do so, then for sure we of a latter generation have to ask behind the veil as well. So this should not ever cross the mind to think that these verses are specific to Rasulullah's family. But furthermore, to cement this, Allah Himself said, And the believing women have to follow the rules of the hijab as well. It means to bring something close to you. But Allah here, He brings ala. Um, <laughs> when you bring ala yudnina alayhinna min jalabibihin it gives you the mean of not just bringing close it brings you the meaning of irsal the izdal that when you let something drop when you let something flow down when you when you let something fall right so it's like you have a sheet and you let it go you open it and allow it to cover like this skirt of this table right it's this is what it's idna it's irsal it's been let go from the top so now the front part of this table is covered that's what izdal is. That's what uh, idna is. So Allah so the issue is that the women of jahiliyyah used to also cover to a certain degree. But the problem is that they used to put their scarves and their their yeah khumar, their scarves above their heads and allow the extra laying part or the the, the bottom part of it, the, the thing that flows down, where they used to have it on their back. So it'd be really long in the back. And in the front, all it was just on top of their head. And everything else was exposed, meaning they had just normal clothing. Remember that. Jil, okay, the jilbab is not clothing. Jilbab is <clears throat> that cloth that is worn on top of the clothing that is used to cover the satar. It's a second layer. Jilbab is not the, the, the normal clothing that wears at home. Jilbab, even in our urf, even in our own usage, as well as in the Quranic usage, is that extra clothing that is worn after the normal clothing and the basic clothing that is used to cover a person's satar. Okay? So now the women of Jahiliyyah used to wear the jilbab. But how did that jilbab be? They used to have the head covered and then the rest of it used to flow in the back. Okay? So they're, they're like, you see every, everything that happened in Jahiliyyah is happening now. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. It's, it's crazy. Uh, some have said Jahiliyyat al-Ula. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Jahiliyyat al-Ula, the first and earlier Jahiliyyah. Some have said that means there's going to be a Jahiliyyat al-Ukhra. A second Jahiliyyah as well. You, you, we are seeing that. We're going exactly where we started off from. Backwards. In everything. So the Quran comes and tells us, you need that this jilbab that is going to hang, should not just be hanging from the back. It must be hanging from the front as well. That's, that's something that it speaks about. <clears throat> Ibn Sirin rahimullah says, I asked Ubaidah al-Salmani about this ayah. Explain to me, what does it mean, yudnina alayhinna min jalabibihim? That you should have your mantle, uh, you know, uh, allow it to fall, fall and allow it to cover, uh, draw, you know, over yourselves. What does it mean? He said, He had a shawl around him, he lifted it. He wore it over his face. He put it over 
hatta balagha hajibain until he reached his um, uh, you know eyelids eyelashes and he covered up his face ubaida bin salmani rahimahullah covered up his face and then he opened up only the left eye from the portion of this shawl he had, was covering his face and he said this is what this is speaking about the, jil- the covering of the jilbab is not to be just on top and the rest of in the back, but it's supposed to be from top to bottom, from the front and the back, and just a portion of it exposed for a person to see. And similarly, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu says, the greatest mufassir and scholar of tafsir, the companion of the Prophet what did he say? أَمَرَ اللَّهُ نِسَاءَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Allah has ordered the believing women to cover their heads and cover their faces. So there are many hadith regarding this topic. And it, you can understand that the earliest companions understood from this ayah that along with covering the face, along with covering the head, the covering of the face was included. And this is the tafsir of the sahaba and the tabi'een. So now this is not, for example, a per, a, a, an issue that I will have a personal opinion or you have a personal opinion in. A person should definitely study this topic and see what was the first generation of Sahaba, the first generation of Tabi'een, what was their understanding of it? But besides that point, let's speak about the general etiquettes of hijab, jilbab. What are the basic etiquettes we have to keep in mind? Number one, six things we're gonna say. Number one is that the hijab needs to be completely covering, satir. It is not that a portion of the body is exposed and a portion is covered. This is not befitting for a Muslim, uh, Muslimah, that, that they focus on one portion of the body and not the other. The entire portion of the body needs to be covered. Number two, the hijab should not be, the cloth of hijab in itself should not be, itself what? A dormant <clears throat> and an attraction. Because that defeats the purpose. Completely defeats the purpose. So a completely stylish hijab or a very colorful hijab with all sorts of you know, brand names on it and things of that sort. That is a dress. Person most definitely can wear a dress like that. You can wear any dress. But to call that a hijab, no, that's not going to work. Because the, the, the word hijab means to cover, to conceal. If this type of hijab is worn, then instead of concealing, it actually becomes, you know, uh, a, a more a source of attraction. It would defeat the purpose. Allah says, That they should not be exposing their zina, their, you know, places of beauty. Uh, so something that is obvious, like for example, a person is tall, her height is tall, you know, then that's not something you can cover. Actually, people like to become tall. <laughs> the other way around, right? With all the high heels and whatnot. So if some, but if someone is naturally tall, they cannot say, okay, I need to cover this part. That's something, you can't cover it. That's something which Allah made you like that, nothing to worry about. But besides that, a person should try their best to, the, the, the etiquettes of hijab, is that the hijab itself should not be a source of attraction, should not be a fashion statement. It's so weird. I've spoken about this in class to the girls. And uh, that, you know, we live in a very, very ajib, ajib, ajib dunya. It's the irony every single day. It's oxymorons everywhere. The hijab itself has become, there's a whole fashion hijab business, right? There's a massive business online. And, and influencers use hijabi influencers that, that, talk, that, that promote different hijab. There's nothing to do with haya on, on those, uh, in that type of clothing and the type of models. Of, it's just ajib. Like, I mean, it's so... Shocking that you, you, I wish we could go back 50 years and someone were to share these stories with us. Then we'd, I don't need to even explain it. You'd say, oh my God, this makes no sense. But now we have to sit there and deconstruct it and some people 5% understand, 95% don't understand. Allahul Musta'an. 
because we've been you know so uh, confused by the continuous uh, uh, messaging that we get from culture from popular culture from TikTok and from videos and from Instagram and all of that stuff it's polluted the minds so now it's like you're you know you're accustomed to something some if you're sitting you know in an environment for a long time secondhand smoke qurbani time you're slaughtering the animals next to the corral and with all the blood and filth and whatnot you're sitting there <laughs> I always give the example of the guy who shows up at 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, it's a mess. He's seen the guys who showed up at 6 o'clock, what are they doing? They're waiting for the skinning to get done and they're drinking chai and biscuit. And he's about to throw up. And he's like, how could you be drinking chai and biscuit over here, man? How are you eating a burger here? Aram said, just sitting there. He's like, yeah, there's nothing wrong. What happened? Three hours makes you completely desynthesized to it. You don't care. There's like blood over there, there's intestines over there, and you're just, you know, enjoying your chai? How is that possible? You're about to throw up. Because, he doesn't say, you stay here for a couple hours, you'll also be joining me in my, you know, and I'll give you the leftover chai. You can drink it after a couple hours. That's what happens. When you are accustomed, when you see something again and again and again and again, you become desynthesized to it. So hijab was never supposed to be run by influencers. There were not supposed to be models that were supposed to be promoting hijab. How is, how does, these are oxymoron. Hijabi model, what is that supposed to do? I don't understand that, right? Hijabi, hijabi Instagrammer. This is ajib tamasha that we're working on. These words don't match. They don't match. You know, one very famous uh, 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 rapper, when we ended up meeting him once in one masjid, subhanAllah. And I told him, you know, I said, why don't you, uh, you know, I'd love for you to come visit. I have a, this long ago. I said, I'd love for you to come visit the, the school and, and talk to the students. I didn't even know who he was. The kids who were with me went crazy. Do you know who he is? Oh my God. I said, no. So I said, I will, let me just go offer him some chai and talk to him. But, so that's what I did. I went and sat, we sat with him and talked to him. It was interesting. You know, alhamdulillah, good conversation I had with him. So he told me something. He said, you know what? Yes, I'm a Muslim. You see me praying Asr Salah here. Asr, man. He was in Asr. And he's learning about the deen and everything. But he says, you know, my lifestyle is very different from the way an ideal Muslim should live. And I just don't want to mix these two things. I don't want to give a bad name to Islam. So yes, I'm a Muslim. I pray Salah and whatnot. But I am not going to use my status as a rapper and a Muslim to speak about Islam because I don't want to malign Islam. I don't want people to confuse Islam with what I do. Straightforward. I said, man, I can't say anything to that. You know. He said, I don't wear it on my, uh, on my shoulders, my Islam. That's why, generally speaking, people don't know I'm a Muslim, but here I am praying Salah. My point is, someone wants to do whatever they want online. Okay, I'm not going to stop you. But now you make that Islamic and you're using that to so-called promote Islam. Female Muslima on the front page of, of a modeling magazine. This is, you know, achievement of 2021. You know, we should be happy. This is, this is the reality. I'm not, you know, I don't even know how many on the online listening is probably just, oh brother, I'm dropping this by end right now. All right? But I'm just, because no one speaks about this, right? I mean, if you drop, I'm sorry, but I'm telling the truth. Sooner or later, you'll figure it out. If you don't figure it out now, you'll figure it out over there. What I'm telling you is not, is not wrong. That this is not something for us to be excited about. This is just sad. This is outright sad. That we are just anything to get front page anywhere, anyhow. We feel that this is an achievement for Islam. Famous, infamous, uh, to do with the deen, against the deen, kushbi hojai. Right? As long as we can, we can get to the top, the charts. Somehow, get to the top in the charts and become famous. Since when has fame equaled acceptance? Since when did this happen? That is, if we become famous, the most famous people are who? The biggest Zalim Fasik people in the world. They have the, the, the highest Twitter following and whatnot. Are the biggest oppressors, the biggest sinful, the biggest artists who have caused so much facade in the dunya. They have the biggest following, agents of shaitan, 
using their art to get people to commit all sorts of haram. How does fame equal acceptance and closeness to Allah Azza wa Jal? So we need to make sure, this is what we do, we look at what others do. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, what should we say man, what should we say? Listen to this hadith, time ran out, only 9 minutes left. Just getting started on this topic. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasul said, Indeed, you will follow the sunnah. And the, and, and the sunnah yani here means the ways of the people prior to you. Shoe by shoe, shoe step by shoe step, footstep by footstep, you will follow the ways of the people of the past. If one of them went into a lizard hole, that's what you're going to do. Anything they did, you're going to do. And he said, which one, who are you speaking about? Christians and Jews? And Rasul said, of course, who else I'm speaking about? You're gonna follow them. And then the hadith of Tirmidhi, we just covered in class. What is that? That to the extent that if one of them fulfilled his lust with his mother, that will, that's what you will do. So that's where we're headed. Who is, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to who? The non-Muslims or Muslims? Tell me. Muslims! That the Muslim Ummah will do this. The Muslim Ummah is gonna do this because you love to follow what others do, period. Blindly follow what others do, you don't think for yourself. So anything that is popular, we gotta do it. Anything that gets the ratings, we gotta do it. Because they're doing it, so we gotta do it. And this type of mentality will reach to this. And Allah, after Allah, the most truthful is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Rasulullah sallam doesn't take these words lightly. My dear friends, there's no such thing as gazillion. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a gazillion, just random stuff. You know how we, when we start getting excited about something, we'll just, we'll just say figures of speech and we'll just, we'll just exaggerate things. You think Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would take this type of example lightly? You tell me. As you're hearing it, you're shredding yourself. As what did he just say? For Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the one who had the most, most, most haya and bashfulness ever, for him 1500 years ago to say these words and this example to his companions, how hard must it have been? He didn't say it for the sake of saying it. He said it because he had to say it. He said it not out of just a way of example, but because it will happen. And he was warning you and I that that's how bad things will get. If you do not get out of this rat race of just following what others do. So the social media is exactly what it's doing to the Muslims. We're doing anything and everything that they're doing, we must follow that and use that platform to promote any way, anyhow. So they used music 30 years ago, 20 years ago. It was, it was unthinkable for a Muslim institution for a Muslim, you know, to use music to promote a Ramadan seminar, a Ramadan fundraiser for funding scholars with the background of music. What in the world are we speaking about? We're not talking about conferences that all sorts of stuff happen. That also you know, is a new thing. Probably 40 years ago didn't have music there. But now they got their entertainment nights and whatnot, so they got music in their full. But I'm talking about Islamic institutions, I'm talking about conferences, everything that were initially legit. But now they simply want the clickbait that I spoke about. They want you to want to listen to the two-minute video of the Shaykh speaking about why you should support or why you should join his or her classes. So now he's scared that you're, you're so accustomed to listening to music. If he doesn't have that, I'm not talking about nasheed here. I'm talking about actual music. But if you don't have that, you're not going to listen. So he is putting that, they're putting that. So the, this, is, this is all what, where we're headed. That we, if you have a habit of just doing whatever others do, there is no limit to how lowly we will fall. Really scary, my friends. So we were just talking about the idea of hijab, where hijab has gone today. It's, it is not, it's nothing to do where, where, it's, where it's supposed to be. And we gotta make sure we differentiate that at home with our daughters, with our sisters. 
I explain to them, this is not what deen is about. What deen about? Deen is beautiful. Deen is about your protection, and you're not getting any protection from that. You're not getting any protection from this type of hijab. And, from the, and this is no honor. This is being used to just sell what? Certain type of clothing. Just like the advertising industry uses women to attract customers, and how people keep young females at the front door of their store to attract customers. And those women don't even realize that they're getting used by these men to be able to lure in customers. Similarly, these women don't realize that the entire fashion industry is there to make some men at the top rich. That's what it is. And they don't care about haya. What do they care? What do they care about anything? About anyone's honor. As long as the money rolls in and they can live a life and enjoy what they want to enjoy, then <clears throat> be, be the, the, the haya of all the women get lost and let them lose their you know, honor, whatnot. It doesn't make a difference. So we have to teach our own people the lesson. We have to teach our own people that they're being abused. Like the you know, African-American uh, emancipation movement as well as the, uh, the, 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 the uh, war or the race to their rights. How many of the speakers had to tell their own people that you know what, we're being oppressed, you gotta realize that. This is not how life is supposed to be. And they're like, some of them didn't understand that, right? And so our own people don't understand. Our very own people will, be, will throw up, you know, throw arms at us and say, no, this is, this is crazy. What are you talking about? Why are you being distant? Why are you being sexist? Why are you being fulan, fulan, fulan? We're not, my friends. My dear sister, my dear daughter, you know, subhanAllah, we love you for the sake of Allah Azza wa We ask Allah that He protects our women, protects your, you all women, protects our women, all of us, and that protects us from the snares of shaitan that is using evil men and connected with evil shayateen to completely take our women for a ride and make us all fall into this. It's not just women falling into this trap, who's falling into it? Men also. They say, ah, yeah, this is very good. You know, and, and promote this type of stuff. So we said that the, the two, the, uh, the first quality of the hijab was that it should be covering. The second one, that it should not be beautiful in itself. The third should be that it should be thick and not see-through. Thick and not see-through. There's a hadith on each one of these things. For the lack of time, let's just go over the uh, characteristics. Number four is that the cloth should be loose and not something that will be give off the figure. Not tight, body, not skin tight, but rather loose. Number five is the cloth should not be, uh, should not have fragrance on it. Fragrance. It's, of course, we're speaking about amongst Ajnabi men. We're not talking about women amongst women here. We're talking about amongst going outside in public amongst men. The Prophet ﷺ said, Ayyama imra'atin. Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ related by Abu Musa Ash'ari in Sahih ibn Hibban. He says, Ayyama imra'atin ista'atarat. Any woman who puts on itar, فَمَرَّتْ عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ And then she passes by a group of men. لِيَجِدُوا رِيحَا So that they can smell the fragrance that she has put on. فَهِيَ زَانِيَةً She is committing zina. She's a fornicator. According to the Prophet That's a type of fornication. They put on the fragrance to attract men. Hadith of the Prophet Number six is that this clothing should not be resembling that of men. Clothing of men, be it shirts and pants. Right? Ajeeb, ajeeb, yaar, why can't you do your own thing? Why do my own thing? But no, whatever you have, like my little kids, sometimes they just know, whatever you have, I want that. So this is what the women and the men are doing today. Men and women. No, you wear pants, so I have to wear pants. Mashallah, your dress looks great. No, the men must wear a dress and the women must wear pants. Power pants. You know? Well, why doesn't power be in a dress since when? You know, this is the mentality that until you don't look like a man and you don't act like a man, you will never have authority. Well, then that's, you're just perpetrating the same thing and supporting the same idea that men are the only powerful ones. 
Isn't that it? That you're saying that until I don't look like a man, I can't be powerful. As long as I dress like a female and have feminine qualities, then I'm weak. As soon as I act like a man and leave my gender role and leave my gender uh, characteristics, then I'll become powerful. So that is just giving more energy to that same idea that you're trying to fight. You have to prove the fact that no, in my own femininity, there, there is beauty and there's power as well. Ask all the husbands, they'll tell you. Right? So where the power lies? So this is the, this is the idea we're speaking about. These six characteristics and qualities of hijab. We ask Almighty Allah Azza wa Jal that He uh, grants haya to us and to our families and that He allows us to raise our families in this extremely, extremely difficult, challenging time in which right has become wrong, wrong has become right. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us, preserve us and allow us to see right from wrong, wrong from right. Allow us to follow the right and stay away from the wrong. Inshallah, before we do the adhan, let's do a few minutes of dhikr inshallah. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله 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 لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله استغفر الله 
Subhanallah, Subhanallah,